Hey, good morning. My name is Thea Fiore Bloom, and I am the blogger behind the Charm Studio blog, which is a blog for artists and writers. This morning, I wanted to give you an audio version of a post I just wrote called 51 Juicy Blog Post Topics for Artists for 2020, and specifically for heart-centered artists. And I'll explain a little more about that in a minute. But uh, what you can do, the reason I wrote this post and how I think it'll benefit you is because it's, it'll help you make 2020 the year that you send out regular, vibrant posts to your readers. And I just want you to think of the blog post topic list that's going to follow after the intro as 51 jumping off points for your own creativity. So these are just ideas, you know, personalizing them will strengthen them further. So do you ever have the sneaking suspicion that your readers are not thrilled that they only hear from you when you're promoting your art? Well, your suspicions are right on the money. If you're like most of my readers, you're what I call a heart-centered artist. And that suspicion that you're bugging people, it might be the very thing that's stopping you from sending out more blog posts and newsletters. You may think to yourself, there has to be a better way to go. And you're right, there is. Yes, marketing emails are necessary, I get it, but there are at least two big reasons we don't want to be all marketing all the time. First of all, it's actually bad for sales. Quote, ironically, if someone is attracted to your kind of art, it's not slick selling that will close the deal. It's usually your quirky personal stories that make your average modern collector feel like they know you and trust you enough to want to have a piece of you in their home, said Emmy Award-winning video marketing expert Gina Rubenstein. Second, marketing all the time demotivates heart-centered artists. We know that selling is part of being an artist. We get it. But we also know the reason that we got up to join the dance of art in the first place was to inspire both ourselves and others via our work, right? So is there a solution for heart-centered folks like us, people that actually care about what their readers think when they open an email? Yes, you could alternate every few marketing posts you send out or every marketing post you send out with what I call a passion post. A passion post just tells a mini story about something you're passionate about. You choose something you're geekishly fascinated by that has a connection to your art and that also serves your reader, even in a small way. Fortune 100 digital marketing consultant Claire Diaz-Ortiz insists 80% of the material you put out online should be adding value to your readers' lives. Only 20% should be strictly promotional. Unquote. So by sandwiching marketing posts between passion posts, you gift yourself and your readers with three different things. First, you're going to add value to your readers' lives by either telling them a story or inspiring them by letting them in on how creativity works in general or how creativity works for you in your studio. That's a big plus. Second, you'll feel better. When creativity is the center of every mailing you'll send out, more posts in 2020 will get sent out and you'll become a better, happier writer because you're writing more often and you're writing about things you care about. And heart-centered artists don't want to write more about stuff they don't care about. 
Thirdly, you may skyrocket your chances of having more comments, sales, and fun than you've had in years. When you write open, heart-centered posts and you're connecting with readers, a lot of times they'll comment, and please make sure you comment back. It's such a compliment if a reader gives you a comment, and um, it'll really help you get to know your readers to enter into a dialogue with them. Um, you'll understand who you're writing for. It won't be this blank slate of people out there. There'll be individuals that uh, populate your imagination for the stories that you want to tell in the future. Okay, so sound good? Do you need some ideas of what kinds of topics might help you do that kind of thing? I got 51 of them that came to mind this morning. Too much coffee? Maybe. <laughs> but this is not from my caffeinated head alone. So let's go. 51 alternative blog post topics for artists. Idea number one, what was the most memorable live performance you ever saw and why did it connect to all your dots? My personally, my 12-year-old cranium opened up and stars flew in when I got to see Judith Jameson dance cry in an Alvin Ailey performance. Number two, what's your favorite urban place? Tell us about what restorative coffee shop, opera house, city park, or bookstore you love. Number three, did you live in a rural area? Is there a seasonal natural happening you could let your readers in on? An annual bird migration, a wildflower bloom, how you love it when the wetlands start to freeze over. Number four, what's the first memory that you had that involved being thrilled to make art? Number five, who's your favorite poet lately? Maybe share an excerpt with your readers. Do reflections of the themes your favorite poet touches on in their writing appear anywhere in your paintings? A lot of uh, uh, subscribers include words in their paintings, and I would love, you know, to see more posts on what inspires those words. Ask readers to leave uh, their favorite poet in the comments. So part of the job of writing good blog posts is asking questions. It's not just inspiring or informing, but it's, questions are wonderful for reader engagement. It helps people um, feel like the door is open, and it helps them formulate uh, their own creativity and intelligent ideas for their own work or projects in the future. Number six, do you have a crazy but true story that would make a good blog post topic? You can find savvy painter host Antrice Wood's most popular post, I Punched a Llama Today, over on how to write an art blog. Number seven, Maybe let readers know about what you do or did for a living in the real world and how it was informed, how it's informed your own art practice. I once interviewed a jeweler who learned precision from her service as a Navy helicopter mechanic. Uh, people would just love to know what other worlds you inhabit, no matter how mundane you think it is. As long as you share the wisdom you gained from that work, people will benefit from reading about it. Number eight, so many people in your audience may suffer from chronic pain and other challenging health conditions. If you do too and you want to talk about it, I bet many folks will identify with you. Your readers will appreciate, not castigate you for sharing a story that relates your own struggles to them. I talk about why this is so powerful in one of the points in Frida Kahlo, Seven Meaningful Tips for Artists. And there's a link to that. And there's a, a thousand links to a lot of things here in this post if you want to look at the written version. Number nine, <clears throat> you may choose to share stumbling blocks that come in other forms if it feels right. Subscribers and artists Sean Marie Hardy and Vicki Knowles blazed the trail for this in the, in the post that I wrote on artists and ADHD, myths, realities, true stories, and resources. They're both amazing people. 
Number 10, tell readers all about your favorite museum, or even you could write a whole post on a museum store. Number 11, share the book you love most as a kid or as a young adult. What in that book still rings true for you today? And don't forget to ask your readers to include their favorite books in the comments. Number 12, make a post that just lists five favorite books on a topic you're obsessed with. What are the five best reads, fiction or nonfiction, you recommend on, say, dollhouse miniatures or mythology? Number 13, choose your favorite painting by a famous artist. Tell your readers why it enchants you. Did you see it in person? If so, where? Ask readers about their favorite paintings. Number 14, this is a good one. Share the soundtrack you paint or write to with your readers and include YouTube links, or better yet, learn how to embed the music tracks into the post. And that's very easy to do. And I put a link to how to do that there. And you can see an example of this in Kiko Art, um, a subscriber, great artist to this blog. I put a link in to how to show you how she does that in her blog. And she often does music posts and you know she's a digital artist and it's fascinating it's so cool to see what people work to number 15 talk about your favorite movie why does it move you what part of your personal philosophy does it reflect ask readers to tell you their favorite movie in the comments sorry i just had a sip of tea and number 16 is do you use tea to companion you as you make art What's your favorite? Do you have a little ritual? I was scared at first to publish my post on tea because I thought it would be like too frivolous, but readers really responded to it. People just need a break sometime from really heavy stuff. Number 17, if you feature any plants, flowers, or trees in your work, devote posts to the history or mythology of the plants you love. Include your own paintings, yes, but also consider illustrating posts with your own simple, fun drawings to accompany planting instructions. I would just love to see like hand-drawn instructions to any process that is fa that fascinates you uh, in your life. Um, number 18, what do you love to cook and why? Give the recipe, illustrate it. Here's an example of a lovely heart-centered recipe post from artist and subscriber Linda Schultz. You could see that on the blog. Number 19, if you don't cook but you enjoy eating, writing about the culinary life of an artist you love, is a great thing to do. And if you need ideas, you can go to Seven Lush Beach Reads about artists to take on vacation. This post lists several books that focus on the fabulous food life of artists like Proust and Monet. Really stimulating, I found those kind of books. Number 20, if you're a plein air painter and you stayed up till 3 a.m. last night reading The Hidden Life of Trees or some other great book, tell us why you couldn't put it down. Number 21, do you have a favorite childhood tree? Do you have a current favorite tree? Are there any stories there? 22, what's your favorite formal garden? What about an informal garden? Maybe you wanna tell us about a formal garden like, I once went to see these moss covered mermaids in Bon Marzo, Italy, but I would just be as interested in hearing somebody stay closer to home and tell me about a patio window box they made that helped them uh, attract butterflies to their garden. My friend Kathy Velum, who's a, a reader and subscriber, does all kinds of great articles on that kind of thing. Number 23, do you have a favorite writer's house or artist garden you visited? Why is it inspiring to you? Share your own images, or if you need copyright-free illustrations of gardens, museums, or anything else for your passion posts, you can visit 
uh, this link, 70 Image Hacks, a cheat sheet for finding awesome images online for free. That's by Skinny Artists. It's a great resource and it'll help get you started. Um, and a lot of you guys are kind enough to comment that you think my blog looks beautiful. And the reason my blog looks beautiful is that I often use subscriber art. But the other reason is if I do use stock art, I have a pretty wide range of options that are free and copyright free and you can have those as well and if, if you go to that link in the post right there in uh, number 23. Number 24, what was the amazing wild animal, most amazing wild animal you've ever seen in real life or maybe you want to write a post about a pet that you're most partial to and include a painting you've done or a um, photograph of it or ask your readers too about animals that have touched their lives. 25, What's an example of a little thing in your life that brings you peace? For me, it's hummingbirds. So I wrote a post on the best way to set up a hummingbird feeder and maintain it. Number 26, if you're environmentally conscious, a good blog post topic might be sharing how you recycle in the studio, how you clean your brushes to go easy on the earth, what kind of paints you use. I'd be fascinated to learn about that kind of stuff. Uh, do more of it in my own studio. Um, Number 27, what's one of your favorite travel memories? Can you share an image you drew, maybe from a travel journal about a special place? Ask your readers to share theirs in the comments of, um, or maybe even share their journal images on a Facebook page that you set up for that kind of post. Um, there's a good example of this in um, my post on seven justifications to spend money on travel. There's a great um, artist and marketer named Judy Weiss who always uses uh, journal images, and there's some of them in that post, to promote her uh, trips, to get people to come on her trips to Oaxaca and different places. Uh, they're, they're trips for artists. But using your own uh, art journals in your heartfelt marketing, I think, is an untouched, untapped resource. It really personalizes things. Number 28, who's a hero of yours? A singer? Are they a scientist? Are they a human rights advocate? Are they a UFC fighter? Or are they your humble neighbor? Tell us a story about that. Number 29, are you like me? Do you talk to strangers? Tell me the story of a stranger you met and how they made you think about art or life in a new way. And I have a link to a blog post about a lady I met on the beach, which is, ended up being a story about not caring about people uh, approving of you. And it was one, it's one of my most popular posts. And it's not one of my heavy-duty research posts on an artist, that material I got from grad school or anything. Some of my most popular posts are stories of people I've met and things that I've learned from them. Number 30, if you did go to art school, can you share something that you loved or that you hated about it? 31, what was one mistake that taught you something pivotal, pivotal about making good art? Number 32, write about how making art makes you feel on those days when it all clicks together. 33, do you sell at art fairs? Artist and charming subscriber Rebecca Bangs wrote a great little post that simply divulges the contents of her art fair booth packing list. What kind of list could you share with your readers? Number 34, consider interviewing someone. I highly recommend this, and I put in a link on how to do it. I'm going to write a post on this uh, soon so that you guys have a better idea of how easy it is. You can do it via email. It's not as hard as you think, and it'll add depth to your blog. And you could just limit yourself to five questions. And one of the big my trade secrets is you just make that fifth question, is there anything you wish I'd asked you that 
you want to tell people. <laughs> because people's own wisdom that you're interviewing, you don't know what it is that needs to come out. They do. They know the, the smartest thing that will help other people. So you can honor other people's intelligence by just asking them that kind of question in an interview. Number 35, what's something that used to stress you out in your studio that you've now mastered? Could that story help other people too? Here's an example from artist and subscriber Laura Den Hurtog. You can check out the comments and engagement that she got on these practical free videos she put together on how to ship your art so that it's never damaged. So Lauren is an incredibly accomplished artist and yet this, I think that it's so wonderful that she intermixes her uh, this, her mailings about her art with really practical stuff that helps people. And I think, you know, she's more successful as a result of helping others and being a great artist. Number 36, what was the best idea you ever had? Number 37, how about the worst one? Number 38, when did you first or finally begin calling yourself a writer or calling yourself an artist? Is there a story behind it? Can you verbalize your wish for readers and their relationship to their own creativity? If you haven't started calling yourself a writer or artist yet, you can hit the links in 38. There's one on why you should call yourself a writer as soon as possible and another article that I linked to by somebody else on why you should call yourself an artist as soon as possible and what the requirements would be. Number 39, describe the best, the best reaction someone ever had to your work. Why did it hit home for you? How did it relate to your, your unique mission as a creative? Number, it should be a number 40. Tell us the weirdest reaction someone had to your work. How did you deal with it? Do you have any advice for young artists on how to bounce back after rejection, criticism, or even encountering a troll? Number 41. Tell readers the five creatives you most look up to, be they fashion designers, classical musicians, graffiti artists, dancers, poets, writers, or actors. Go on Wikipedia for copyright-free images of each of those people. Do you take long walks often? So did many famous artists and writers. O'Keefe and Van Gogh, for starters. What does walking do for you as a creative? This New Yorker article that I linked to talks about how walking has helped so many artists and how it helps us think, and it might give you more ideas. Can you verbalize your wish for your readers and their relationship to their own creativity? Number 45. Symbols can be a great blog post topic for artists. If your art contains spiritual or mythic symbols, tell us about them. Maybe in a series of posts, illustrate these posts with your own drawings. Number 46, how has your art helped you heal your life? How exactly? 47, tell us a story about one of your readers, with their permission, of course. Darren Rouse, a pro blogger, tells bloggers, if you want more reader engagement, share your stage. Try to make your readers famous. It's a heart-centered win-win strategy I live by. And there's a link to what that means in number 47 there. Number 48, tell us a story of when your art helped someone else and what that meant to you. And there's a link there in, to that post about a post I wrote on um, artist and subscriber Alina Ellis's beautiful work and a story of what happened to her in her um, BFA exhibition. Um, like the most amazing thing that happened to her was before a professor, single professor walked into the room. It was a great story that involves kids. Um, <clears throat> 
Number 49, if you love art or our history or another culture, share a tiny slice of it. I love this post written by artist Mickey Baxter Spade, Mickey Baxter Spade on the Japanese concept of, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, A-I-C-H-A-K-U, which she explains is a term for the sense of attachment one can feel for an artifact. Number 49, did you benefit from a great teacher along the way? Tell us about what they gifted you with and something that you never want to forget. Number 50, what would you recommend your readers do to take the first steps to begin writing or making art themselves? What realization helped you take the leap? And lastly, number 51, my dissertation examined the soulful importance of certain objects to artists. Think about a personal object you have in your studio or maybe on your desk and ask yourself, why is it there? Why is it important to you? What memories or meaning does it hold for you? And maybe share a photo of it with your readers or if you've done a still life painting of it, share it with your readers. That's it for suggestions. And I just wanted to give you a few final thoughts on blog post topics uh, for heart-centered artists. And that is this, that being yourself is revolutionary. That some of these ideas may feel too revealing for you, and I get that. You remember, just share up to your own limit, your own comfort zone. But keep in mind a lesson I've learned from writing the Charm Studio blog. Your most popular posts aren't the ones that make you sound smart or respectable. Your most popular posts share your heart. You may fear, fear that your personal stories, or if you do share your heart about your passions, that they're not snazzy enough. Your stories aren't snazzy enough. But I say they are plenty snazzy. Because in our business, remember this, writing about what you love as opposed to what you sell is revolutionary. So, viva la revolution. This post is dedicated to Veronese artist and subscriber, Cristina Dalla Valentina, who wrote in to me and suggested the idea. Grazie, Cristina. What are your thoughts? Which one of these ideas sound exciting to you? Let me know the number in, in the comments of which post you think you could write about. I'd love to hear which one or if it helps you at all or if this post in general helped you at all. Please let me know. And I want to thank you guys all, all, if you have subscribed already, thank you so much. And if you haven't subscribed already, it's the best way to support the Charm Studio. Um, I want you all to stay confident in what you're writing and to keep writing and you're going to get better and better. And people are going to be enchanted because you've cracked the door of your studio open and let them in. And I hope it leads to even greater things because you deserve those kind of things to happen to you. Take care. If you have any questions, let me know. Bye-bye.